Alright, what's up guys? Nate and Philip back again. Another episode of the Pokey Talk Podcast is underway. How's it going, man? Not too bad. A lot of exciting events going on since the last time we had a recording. Yeah, for sure. We got, you know, we kind of touched on the uh, the Van Gogh situation last week. We're starting to see some of those get graded. Um kind of crazy like the prices they're bringing a, a few of them were like around a thousand sale which is ridiculous but yeah they're they're quickly uh quickly coming down and i couldn't imagine paying like you'd almost have to pay 150 for the grading fees to get that done that quick but uh yeah it's kind of crazy um for this episode though it's going to be a little shorter one probably we always say that but we never know yeah um just kind of be a general discussion I, we did get some PSA cards back, or I did rather. The yeah. one with your <laughs> order is still waiting, but uh, yeah, yeah, we're gonna just kind of touch on our goals and how those have changed. I know we've done episodes before where we talk about our goals, but the uh, grading my gold stars and first editions weren't really in the cards until like the week I decided to do it a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I would say it's not so much like collection goals, although it would be under that subject, obviously. I feel like it's more like what are our grail moves, um, the, the the big moves, if you will, that we're going to make. Um, what are some of the big cards we have? It's We didn't want to do like a top five grails because um, we feel like it's going to be repetitive. But uh, this is a little bit of where our focus has shifted, both, you know, Nathan and I with where we're at, kind of what we're thinking, and hopefully you find it entertaining. Yep. And a lot of it, you know, even though it's a lot of my PSA orders, like you're potentially buying some cards that are mine that I'm selling as a result from this. And it so works we'll out. Like, yeah. That. Yeah, and we'll definitely go into that because, like, your moves is obviously affecting my moves <laughs> because I feel, I feel like it's a potentially can't-miss opportunity. So, yep. But we'll cover all that. It's a lot of gold star and yeah. first edition talk. I, I do just would like to say that, you know, we did record the last po- podcast early. I just wanted to say, first of all, Bob Dylan was absolutely incredible. Okay. He is 82, but still doing amazing. And I can't wait to see him again if he still decides to tour, even when he's like 83, 84. I'll be there. <laughs> yeah. He's good. He's not my cup of tea for yeah. like I, which worth is, going which is to fine. a show, but yeah, I mean, which is fine because he, folks, a lot of lot, a lot of folks know his old stuff, like his more folk music, but don't necessarily realize that he shifted more to to, to blues. Um, post about mid nineties is kind of when he shifted more to blues, and it was the best decision of his career. And uh, so, a lot of folks I understand don't like like that folk almost country, which he also kind of kind of was a little bit earlier in his career. He had like a Johnny Cash album, um, or he had, a, he had an album that he had a few Johnny Cash songs with him on, and uh, but overall, I mean, if you have listened to him, he's probably the greatest American songwriter that has ever lived. And I'm not being like, I don't feel like I'm being biased. I mean, I am, but I don't feel like I am. If you just look at his lyrics, and I mean, how many people can say that they defined a movement? You know, I would say almost no artist can, but he's one that can. His songs literally defined a movement in the '60s with the civil rights movement, yeah. but. Anyways, we're all entitled to our opinions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so, 
yeah, he's he's pretty good. I do like the older stuff of his. Um, yeah. Never really got on the deep dive to see his whole library, but which is significant as you can imagine, sixty years worth of albums. So you know. <laughs> yeah. But to me, like in a way, if you have that many albums and like most people don't know about them, like exactly, people only know about really a dozen songs. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's because people, you know follow certain genres of music and blues unfortunately and even folk and even country certain like actual good country like your tyler childers your J- hasten isbill you know f- folks like that you have to really almost go and do a deep dive and, tr- and try to find just because they don't get playtime. you know you hear country the country you hear is just pop music sold to a more rural audience that's all it is like the country that everybody says they hate that's that pop country that comes out of Nashville. That's basically, again, just more palpable pop music being sold to a country audience. That's all it is. But yeah, that's kind of the case for all music, though. Like nowadays, but I'm I mean, pretty you extensive could... on my like music library, and I listen to a lot of those guys that most people have no idea who they are. No. Um, Jason Isbell's is really good. He's one of my favorites in that genre, though. Yeah, I mean, for me, is I love Tyler Childers. So you know. It's uh like you have to do a deep dive. Most people, unless you're like really know, you know, really into certain music, you're not going to know who the hell they are, even though I would argue both those two are probably the top country artists today, or at least the most talented or some of the most talented. I'll say it like that. Yeah. But anyways, it is also just like I do the deep dive on certain artists in that genre, mm-hmm. but overall yeah. it's not my top genre. Yeah. No, I agree. And I think the same I, things of like other people in other genres. I listen to every single genre of music. I mean, you could hear me listen to Lamb of God and Slayer and Behemoth one day, and I could be listening to Tyler Childers the next, or even you know Bonnie Tyler. You know, so it's just one of those things. So yeah, mine goes. Uh, mine goes pretty deep as well. I was listening to like the Baldur's Gate three soundtrack. Yeah, and then an instrumental and like, Sin, and then mm-hmm. jump into. You know, some old country, which, yeah, I don't like. New country, really? And not just, like, what you hear on the radio, because, like, I can't remember last time. I just actually listened to the radio, but yeah, even what can people people consider the good stuff today, it's like, eh, like, 90s country is where it's at for me. <laughs> but, anyway... For some Pokemon stuff, what do we got in the news? Well, we have the Savages. I guess that's an update on the Van Gogh uh, issues with the museum, um, with the promos. And the Savages have made the Van Gogh Museum stop carrying the promos. Yep, they totally took them away. Yeah, it's like we, this is not what we wanted. This is not what we want people to see about our museum. You know, that's exactly what's going on. We're just going to go ahead and just, we're still going to do the promo, but we don't want anything to do with this card anymore. Yeah. And there are other stores that you can visit in Amsterdam that I guess have access to the promo. And then, of course, uh, Pokemon just released it online again a couple days ago this week. Um, So, yeah, if you guys didn't jump in on that, it's probably uh, too late. Which is another subject. (laughs) Which is another subject. You know, I it was in when I added it, the item, you know, from TCG, that was like 40 bucks. It was like a Crown Zenith, more Heco V-Box, whatever. It was Crown Zenith. I was like, I I love V-Star Universe. Crown's Unis is the English set of it. I'm going to go ahead and get that. And then when I went to checkout, I noticed after I pressed it, I was like, oh, shit. Where's the promo? I'm not seeing it. 
So I was already charged and I immediately like went through like a file complaint and I'm like, Hey, I don't want this if I'm not getting the promo and I haven't heard anything back. And that was like Wednesday. Yeah. So, and they still charge my card. Now you've been flagged by Pokemon. You're a, you're a promo getter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's all I want. Like if it were Japanese product, I, I would, I would have no issues finding stuff I wanted, but like English product, I really don't want it. Yeah, I went with, uh, I got two of them. I went with ETBs. Um, so you figure, you know, obviously the most valued thing you could get from the Pokemon Center from a general perspective is packs, like just straight packs. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I went to ETB route. I did a Lost Origin and a separate order for, um, oh, the Arceus set. What the hell is it called? Brilliant stars. Brilliant stars, yeah. So, yep, I did uh, two ETBs. I should have two promos. They're on the receipt. Um, one of them should be coming today already, I think. So you already um, got a you already got the, the notification that it shipped. See, you we ordered the same day. Yeah. Like, so there's clearly something's up. Like, I haven't even received a notification, and based on what I've seen on social media, I'm not the only one. Yeah, one of mine have shipped. I think I don't think both of them have. Um, well, I did do it a little bit later. I did one and then I waited like probably 15 to 30 minutes. I waited and I was like, well, they're still up. So I went ahead and got another ETB. Like I just wanted one. Um, then I might be visiting a buddy like in a couple weeks and we always like to open ETB anyway. And I was like, well, now's the perfect time to buy an ETB. If I want one, I might as well get another promo. Well, um, and. You know, we've mentioned before how brilliant Pokemon is in terms of u- using this as a way to sell stock. And I mean, you're you've already mentioned brilliant stars, but I mean, I saw Battle Styles ETBs in there. Yeah, that was on the list. Like, well, what does that say? <laughs> like they they want some of that stuff gone. And yep, this clearing is, out for the this, holidays, they're probably yep. getting ready to make a bunch of new stuff for the holidays or stock up for the holidays. So this is a, the big clean out. Like hoping to clean out anything. I mean, I mean, you know, battle styles is what, two years old now going on three. So, I mean, yeah, they want that gone. (laughs) Yeah. Like, can you imagine? I mean, I know they haven't had that product since then. It's, they probably have had that product, what, probably over a year, but still over a year sitting on that, like you got to want that gone. So, yeah. Good thing you didn't stick with your battle styles play. Yeah, <laughs> I mean those booster boxes. That was one of the last mis- last big mistakes I made in the hobby. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Yeah, it was kind of crazy to see all the products. Um, they didn't have a whole lot, but they had a good good selection, and the ETBs lasted for quite a while. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know what they end up selling because, I mean. I, as soon as I found one that looked decent with the crown Zenith, I'm like, okay. Problem is, a lot of these recent sets, like any of the Scarlet Violet sets, I'm not really interested in, especially the English. The Star Universe was really, or IE Crown Zenith, was really the last set that really caught my eye. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, Brilliant Stars was one, and yeah, I feel like Lost Origin is still pretty good with the things you can chase in there but maybe but you remember the time at the, at the kc con oh you weren't with me but i opened 12 packs just like finally get a hit nah i'm good 
<laughs> like, well, they could have been also like, have you opening some loose packs just to? Uh, I, I no, they opened some the booster inventory. box in front of me. I mean, but maybe, but they opened the booster box in front of me, and oh, that's well, that. Yeah. yeah, like that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, I was thinking about that too. That's a pretty good way to like sell packs for cheap, but like you can see people open. And if they open lights, you can kind of keep track in your head how many lights they've opened and what hits they've got. So then if it gets down to like half the booster box left and the big hit's still in the box, you could like weigh those packs and keep that pack for yourself or something weird. Yeah, I mean, but I don't know. Everybody was trying to make a name for themselves that year and you're already seeing it bigger. And (laughs) You're seeing a lot more people participating and I think a lot more people are starting to realize that yeah, you can make money on like the small stuff if you have a vending license, but the big money is in the bigger cards. That's where most of people's margins become to where like the gross margins is what makes it worth it. You still might be only making, I don't know, 35% on that or even less on that card, but you're potentially making 500 on a single sale yeah. profit. So whereas you might be making on some cards 10 bucks. Yeah, I'm, I might open those ETBs or might open one of them because I'll be opening another with a buddy anyway. But I might yeah. open that extra one like pretty quick. I've been itching to open something. So, yeah, I'll probably be opening them right when I get them. Don't know what I'm going to do with my promos, though. Um, so did you get any at all or was that order? Did you just cancel that one and you're just going to Well, I, I asked if there's no Pikachu in it to cancel it. But, again, I haven't heard a response. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I mean, I assume I assume it's just going to say, oh, it's shipped, and it's going to be too late. And I'm just going to have to deal with it, and I'm going to have this fucking, or excuse me, <laughs> whatever. Oh, you're good. Uh, uh, I'm just going to have this Morpeko VV Max box. I'm going to have no choice but to open. Don't want to hold those Morpeko stonks? Hold on, hold on. Diamond hands. It's not worth my time. I might as well open it. Who knows? I might get a decent card to make it worth it. Yeah, but, those are some. Uh, those are some coal miner hands right there. Yeah, I you just, might uh, find a diamond. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> maybe I can get some cool cards that make it at least worth it for the forty bucks. But we'll see. I do have a little binder that I officially started. Um, I have Lorcana in a four card binder or four by three binder. So the whole set hollows and non hollows can fit in there. Um, so that might be a new update. I don't know if I even said that, but I initially wanted to play Lorcana, build some decks, but now it's like, oh, I'm just going to complete the master set with the hollows and everything and just kind of be done at least until there's way more product um, to, you know, where I could buy multiples of the cards. But that's kind of news in itself. <laughs> but the old binder I had for that, I put aside, and I am going to be putting, like, pools from when I do open a pack, as rare as it is. I'm going to just start hoarding the hits, and maybe one day I'll uh, sell the old binder. Or if anything goes up, I'll dig through the binder and, and look it up. I think everybody should have a binder that they, even if they keep it in the back of the closet... On that rare occasion, even if you don't open up anything, I mean, surely you open like one pack a year. Sometimes if you're in Target and, oh, hey, there's a pack. 
Um, just keep a little binder or keep a little stash of cards that you pull, even if it's like a V. Unlikely that it goes up, but it's better than just tossing it away and not knowing what happens. Even if it's uh, less than a dollar card, if you build a whole binder of these, that's that's worth a good little chunk of change. So encourage everyone just to kind of keep a little side binder for the, yeah. the junk. I do have a bunch of stuff for the modern, um, and I do like looking through that. Cheap cards, you can fill up a binder that you like looking at. Yep. I need to hit up the uh, sports card shop here in town that yeah, we go to and see if he's got some singles. But Yeah, are you going to just buy a promo? You, I think you told me you're going to just buy a promo off eBay down the road. If I don't get... If I don't get it here in this transaction, I'm just going to... I might even wait even longer and just get, hit the damn 10. <clears throat> yeah. Honestly, like, I might do that. Like, you know, next year at the, at the KC... Or, yeah, the KC con or, or whichever, there's going to be plenty of those available. Yeah, a lot of people, and me included, I mean, I consider this, like, special every Charizard tier. Like, yeah. Which, I don't remember how many 10s there were, which might mean I might have to get it, you know, on eBay, but still... Yeah, I haven't exactly seen how easy it is to grade a 10, but they look pretty good at first glance, in my opinion. Um, and even with special delivery Charizard, those were $40 raw. I could see this being a $40 to $60 raw card, just like Charizard was for a mm-hmm. while, and under $100 for 10. Well, Charizard, I think, is like 200 bucks in a 10, isn't it? I think um, it is. I think so. I'm also kind of biased negatively because I don't really like the looks of this card. The which one? The Van Gogh. Okay. And I don't know why. Like it's it's a full art style that I like, and I like the Van Gogh styling, obviously. But just the position of the Pikachu and then the words, like, kind of come up close to his face. Like I wish his face was like a little higher on the card. It's just. It looks odd to me, but it might also be because it's in English. Um, but for those two reasons, I don't know if I'm even going to buy this card for my PC. I might make a play on those two that I'm getting. I don't know if I'm even going to grade them or just sell them or just stick them in the old binder for later just to have to look at, but... I don't think I'm going to grade it and like chase the 10 for my PC ultimately. I like it because it's basically a poncho more or less. I mean, it isn't quite a poncho, but it's kind of in that style and yeah, it's going to be a cheaper promo, but I mean, because it's cheap, it's what makes it just fine just to go ahead and just buy it to me. Yeah. And I have the Cramorant from the stamp box in the 10. So this is like kind of that caliber price wise. And you know, it isn't Japanese, which is kind of annoying to me. Like, I like the, the Japanese as far as the promos go. But this is going to have global demand. Like, people in Japan are going to want this card because it's, you know, not Japanese. It's not exclusive over there. Even if there is an exclusive somewhere, like, the whole world still has the same demand. Um, stuff like this just goes crazy. And then just a story behind it. This very well might be the last leg of the store promos that we ever see, or exclusive promos. 
Pokemon hates this kind of stuff. The museum pulled the product entirely. Can you um, imagine if it, it? I mean, can you imagine if they did have, let's say, Da Vinci, right, or somebody like that? Let's just say Da Vinci, because you know he's another Renaissance artist. You know what? He's another huge artist that everybody recognizes, that everybody really loves and appreciates. Well, imagine if they did something like that at some sort of museum with Da Vinci, what the demand would be like, what the people would be just throwing down right there in front of the museum or store or whichever. Yeah. Like the Louvre. Like, imagine they did it with, like, the Louvre. And isn't that, I'm pretty sure that's where the Mona Lisa's at. And just, yeah, you want to fight, bro? Yeah. And, just, and just have us come full circle in terms of peak art with, you know, barbarity outside. Just the the contrast, you know, it's its own art spectacle in its own right. Yeah, it's it's interesting. And, you know, Pokemon hates this stuff. I ultimately, like, if it wasn't money driven or like, you know, event driven, Pokemon would just be totally done with us here and now. I guarantee it. Um, that being said, though, who knows what collabs will be in the future or what they'll be asked to be a part of. So I'm sure they want to do these things, like for the Van Gogh Museum, because they, I'm sure, respect the Van Gogh Museum and they want to increase the traffic and have a good experience. And even without the promos, like I, I would want to go see that if I was anywhere close. Like that, I think it, that's amazing. It, well, I think it makes sense to, to continue to do collaborations, but just don't make it to where there's a TCG product. And if there is a TCG product, make sure it's from the get-go widely accessible and potentially only accessible through the Pokemon Center. Yeah. That makes the most sense. Or you have to do something where you have to – it's like a mailing thing, right? Kind of how some of the Masaki promos were, but obviously not, like, not that exclusive. But just do it where you have to – mail in or submit a code or, or something to be able to fulfill it and get it something where you cannot get it physically right there then and there to prevent the the ability to scalp it or create a scene like they did with the van gogh promo yeah but if people are like handed codes and the same situation will come up to get more codes. well that's and... just that's just one example just make it to where it's just online exclusive then yeah. That's simple and make it to where it's not. I mean, we kind of referred to this the last episode, but I mean, yeah, there's plenty of ways to do it to make it accessible without making it bar barbaric and child's play. I think they are getting better online. There's like a little captcha every time you're like logging in and, you know, the site still sucks and I had to refresh a lot to even sucks get my ass. Yeah, it's really bad. I had to there refresh is... a lot and it like thought I was a bot because I clicked refresh like four times. It is better than what it was in 2020. I can attest to that. I got blocked real quickly, and I didn't get blocked this time. But you do do the capture thing for trying to refresh it. It is slightly better, but it's still pretty bad. Yeah. And with those blocks, I mean, maybe they're cracking down on, like, the IPs and everything. But, you know, even if I were a bot and I got blocked, I mean, you could have a VPN, just change your IP in, like, two seconds and get another order in. So, yeah, that way, that way's a little, little weird too. It's a lot more complicated than most people think. You know, most people say, "Oh, just, just have them one, one per customer. Just track it by IP." Yeah. But like, people can 
get around that very easily. So, but yeah, we'll just have to see what what they do. I think uh, we'll we'll definitely all be paying attention whenever the next one is announced. That's for sure. Yeah, we get the privilege to uh, criticize and judge and not have anything mm-hmm. to do with it. So uh, <laughs> we can yeah. sit back and watch and uh, complain about it when it goes south. Absolutely. So they're getting better. They'll figure something out. But, yeah, at this point, it's like we have plenty of chase cards in the hobby. Um, we don't need to do promos. It's very nice that we can have promos if we ever do get them here and there. But if Pokemon Company really wants to, they could just say, all right, no more promos. And there's enough of a library of, like, chase cards where we can be satisfied and it would probably make those chase cards like similar products like ponchos or full art promos be worth even more because there's even less of them year to year so with the screen promos we got five promos (laughs) so they uh they were trying something new here with only doing one because they very well could have done a card for every one of the artworks like very easily. So I think they knew that they had to limit it in some way. Even though it ended up how it was, there was only one promo card and that's the best way to I don't know, mediate problems ahead. You could just reprint one card or more of one card. I would say a few of them are going to be on my grail list for sure coming up. But was there any other news at all? Uh, not really. We did have the announcement of a promo card returning to leagues, which is, you know, I'm surprised they haven't been doing that. There's a little, um, TPCI or little logo for the league down at the bottom right. There was a Pikachu card this time with Charizard in the background where they're dueling. Um, it's kind of reminiscent of the illustration contest card. Yeah. It's kind of what I thought. Yeah, they have they have the shown on Poke Beach of the Charizard yeah. card in twenty ten. It almost looks like he's battling a Pikachu, although you can't really see the Pikachu in the original card. They kind of made the Pikachu at an angle where they kind of you know, you assume Charizard's battling the Pikachu. But Yep, there was a Worlds promo for it. There was a couple other versions. There's like an Asia Championships version with the stamp. So this card is like nothing new. Um, it was given out in gym events in Japan without a stamp. So there's this has just kind of become a token card to like slap some stamps on. And we did have the announcement of Shiny Treasure EX. Yep. The high class pack, so the ugly ass Charizard. Yep, the clown Charizard. It's gonna be very reminiscent of um Hidden Fates and Shining Fates with baby shinies. So it's just kind of another special set. And but Shiny I'm, Star V as well. Yeah, I would say I'm curious for some of the art rares that they're gonna have. Yeah, they could potentially have shiny art rares. So, Which I assume is what's going to happen if it's a shiny set, and those are the cards I'm interested in. Yep, I'm in, I'm thinking those cards might be the first like true chase cards of this. Uh, well, I mean, non waifu true chase cards of this generation. 
Yep. If there's a like a little Marnie light card like there was in Shiny Star V, that'd be yeah. that'd be one to go after. Yeah, something like that, I'm sure. But yeah, that's pretty much it for the news. Um we can talk about the grading and our plans if you want. Absolutely. So yeah, I sent out pretty much all my gold stars and all my first edition hollows. And uh yeah, the first batch of them came back, the big batch with most of the gold stars. I will say I had some surprises. Um, some cards that I guessed that would be seven, eight range got a nine, like, uh, the Mudkip gold star that I'm looking at right now. So that's, that's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Some of them that like Torchic, it had little, ru- it's really rough and has like corner indentions. So like I automatically assumed four and it indeed got a four. Had some cards that I assumed like a seven or eight and they got a five. So, yeah, it's kind of all over the place. I wasn't really sure what to think about it. There there were some winners, but there is a video of this. I kind of go through every card if you're if you're wondering on my YouTube channel. Um kind of show the fronts and backs and all the grades, which is nice, but uh I I was seeing a trend and I think they've been really cracking down on the back edge wear lately. So like typically you know, cards will have like corner dings and stuff. And then you have those older cards where they are worn, even though they might be like nine condition on the front. If they've been worn, they have that nice little white, even wear on the back. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're docking pretty heavily for that. So instead of coming down to a PSA nine for one corner ding, just imagine that on the entire border of the card. And they pretty much dock for, like, each one of those. And if it's, like, all around the card, I'm starting to think that's, like, an automatic 6 or a 5. By the way, that mine were graded. Um, So, yeah, I don't remember them being too harsh on that on the past. But then again, I haven't really sent old stuff in in quite a while. I will say my first edition Charizard has kind of the same problem. It looks really good on the front and back, aside from the back whitening. And, uh, you know, it's a five. So I don't know if they've always been like that for back edge wear or if it's uh, been cracking down. But while I was looking at the cards, I felt like they were cracking down on it a little more than the past. So, yeah, I don't know. But then, like my Rayquaza Gold Star, it has that. And it also has, like, some frayed corners, kind of like the Torchic, and it got a five. So I thought it was going to be like a three or four and it got a five but i don't know it's a it's definitely weird i did have two cards in there that i had previously cracked out of cases had the vaporeon gold star in a nine which regraded a nine hey i had a psa nine mew which graded a seven that's frustrating so yeah and i was looking at that and literally like, I don't know that uh, one. I hate to send it back in, but you're talking like double the value if it gets a nine again. Might be worth at least trying once, and if not, maybe just keeping that for a while potentially. Yeah, so it's it's really frustrating there. 
But if I crack that out and send it in, there's like two others that I'm like, all right, this probably should have gotten a little higher. So I don't know if I want to do all that yet. I have to wait and ultimately, you know, have everything in my hands. I'm pretty, I'm pretty solid that I'm going to sell my first edition hollows aside from the big three. Um, so this is, uh, kind of the first play we've talked about between us. There, there's well, a world where like I sell everything and I could potentially go for a PSA nine first head base Charizard. Mm-hmm. There's another situation where I could sell most and go for a PSA eight Charizard. Oh, let me get a drink here. Been kind of sick, so the parched, parched, yeah. Been a little sick, and my throat's a little, a little dry, so I might have a couple squeaks here and there. But there's a world, yeah, where I sell some and get a PSA eight. There's a world where I sell like a couple of them and get a PSA seven. Obviously, the price from a eight to nine jumps drastically. If I did go for a PSA nine first dead Charizard, I'd pretty much have to sell all the gold stars, and. You know, my current first edition Charizard, obviously. Yeah. And then that's where uh, you kind of came in. You might be looking at... Swooping in. If I do make a play like that, I know you might be a person of interest for the five that I have. Yeah, it's one of those things where, kind of mentioned earlier in the episode, where I never really thought, like, so whenever I first got into this hobby, I never really thought I'm going to be able to afford a first edition Charizard, obviously, with the pandemic prices. I don't recall the prices before necessarily the pandemic without doing some research and just hearing some of the, you know, people speaking that were in the era and hearing you talk. And I just thought I was out of reach, right? Well, fast forward, got a better job, get a little bit more balanced uh, life, you know, slowly getting on track with where I feel like I should be. And all of a sudden with potential, some moves with Horkana, it all of a sudden becomes not just like this intangible dream, but a realistic reality. And I feel like, yeah, it's a PSA five, but you know what? So is the one card that I'll never ever sell my PSA five Charizard that I first opened on my first pack. And I kind of like having a matching pair to that. Like, I kind of like that idea. Now, will I potentially go up maybe like a seven and an eight in the future? Maybe. But you know what? Let's let's slow a roll. <laughs> but, you know, just having that five, which, as you mentioned before, the surface, the facade of the card looks great. Yeah. Like, I've, I saw a nine, for example, and I mean, I'm trying to think with your yours, I'd have to see it in person again. It's been a while. But the scan you showed me looked pretty close to, um, like, maybe some mild scratching, but nothing significant. And then, like, or, like, a print line. But, like, overall, the facade looks great. A yeah, great the, card the to scans, have in the collection. The scans do, like, make it look way, way better, too. <laughs> like, it's not, like, bad in person, but, like, the scans, you know, it really pops the hollow and everything. A lot of outside factors. But yeah, it's uh it's kind of wild. I'm looking at uh, TCG Fish right now for some price history. It yeah, I can't says... even find anything on one thirty point. Like, it's bringing up all this other shit that isn't. I'm saying f- first edition. It's like it's bringing up base set, 
And it's like, it, you know, we, we kind of see this with the Disney <clears throat> or condom where there is these fake listings and it's like PSA 10 Elsa sold for like 500 bucks. And we all know it's bull- bullshit. It was pulled. They got like a zero review rating and they're from some country, you know, that it just screams sketchiness. And I'm on 130 point right now. It's usually the e- easiest way to like actually compartmentalize and just look at listings. And I'm not seeing one legit first edition PSA 9s are. I there think, is one for sale right now. But not um, sold in the last 90 days. Yeah, Z&G Emporium. Um, he's got an auction going right now, and that's going to be like, that one has a lot of eyes. He's done a lot of promotion for it. So that one's going to really tell a story when that one ends. Um, is it on auction? Yeah. And it's on eBay? Well, okay, I'm try- trying to go to it. So, yep, ZNG and Poria. Auction, and let's go to... Oh, it's got two days, 14,000. That's got to be this one. Yep. Yep, there it is. Yep, 14,500. Or, or it's almost 15K. It's an older yeah. cert, but yeah, we'll see where that goes. Um, prices have been anywhere from 18 to 22K. So expect around 20-ish. Yeah. Maybe, well, you, this is something where you almost want to either, if you can't, if you, well, you probably have to do this on eBay or, or some sort of auction house because the last couple of times we went to these cons, do, do you, have you, do you ever even seen a first edition? Maybe, um, who, who was it? In Heritage, that first year we went, they had a bunch of them that were in, in like the cabinet, right? But I think that was the only one we saw in the two years that we've, we've, we've gone there. There's been some other like mid grade ones. Um, Is there, I don't remember seeing it. Maybe I just wasn't paying attention because it wasn't on, on my list. Yeah, I wasn't really looking for them either, or else yeah, we probably would have saw more. But yeah, I I think there was a few. There's one guy who had like three of them, like low grade, because like that was the only one that caught my attention. I was like, oh wow, there may be like I think at least two were first in. He had Shadowless and he had a couple unlimited and celebrations. He was a Charizard guy, but yeah, this one ends in uh, two and a half days or so. Sunday night. So I'm anxious to see what that goes for. I'll probably Let's go ahead be and using that as my price point. Add to the watch list. There is a couple on Instagram from some people I follow um, for sale. So maybe I'd get in touch with them or reach out to some people and. See if they know anybody. Maybe reach out to Gary. See if he ever wants to sell one of his. Probably not. But yeah, he's kind of a hoarder. Yeah. Which I understand. He kind of wanna wants to gatekeep, like for good intentions, like you know, making sure he's not just selling anybody. But yeah, it's kind of it's kind of frustrating. He's also, I don't know, kind of weird in his ways. Yeah. Like, you know, he'll sell to Logan Paul just because even though it might not be the the right intentions fully, he did it for the exposure of the hobby, which is good. That's his main thing. He always wants to get it out there. But, yeah, maybe maybe him or reach out to uh, Zach O. Jim Mint. He's at these shows all the time. I'm pretty sure he's... Oh, he's asked- yeah, I'm pretty sure he's going to like all the 
collect cons now. Well, now that he's a CGC rep, he's basically now trying to build relations to people to send it just like within Pokemon. That's how CGC is going to try to like get a larger chunk <laughs> of the hobby. And I think it's worked to an extent, but I think it's going to be a hard sell because just objectively speaking, the money's not there. Yeah, I do really like their slab, like their new slab and their new tin slab. It's going to just take a while for everything to balance out. Um, what, I don't know, what really bugs me, I think, you know, Dan Ketchamal has kind of said this too. They took away their premium product. Like they had the Gem Mint 9.5 and 10, and then they had the Pristine 10, and then they had the Perfect 10, which is kind of, you know, like black label equivalent. Mm-hmm. Well, they took that away and grouped everything in, and yeah, that's nice, but you take away that ultra-premium level. So that was the main thing that CGC offered that, P- that PSA didn't, and it was taking the role of BGS within the hobby. Yeah, and I did not like the old label. There were some cards that it looked good on, if there was any blues in the card. But yeah, I I totally... Like, kind of actually really, really love the new label, if there's, like, a any black in the card. They but, can always add that perfect later on if they feel like they need to spice it up, which is, and then they'll just do what they did again. Like, we'll just do, if you think it's perfect, we'll do a reholder service and a regrading service. But we won't de- demote it. We'll just send it back to you in a 10 if we don't think it's perfect. Yeah, it's... I mean, ideally, that would be good. I don't know why they didn't just stick with that. But... I agree. It's like, why didn't they just do that? Or they, they could have, like, just imagine this. They have the pristine, the new pristine tin, right, with the gold. And, man, it does look nice. But what if they did, like, a perfect tin where they put, like, a little gold hollow star, like, next to the tin, like it was a tin star to show that it was a perfect. Like, that would have been so sick. Um, or they could have just made like the border of the label gold as well. Like that would have been insane, but I get it. They're trying to appeal to the broader people, you know, big, big number, big money. Mm -hmm. But yeah, they took away that, that premium level. And, uh, we've definitely seen some prices. Like you said, the price just isn't there. There was a CGC 10 illustrator that just sold either last week or the end of the week before. Um, I don't know if you followed that very much, but it was Jim, like 260,000 or something. Wasn't it? I think it was three. It was in the 300 range, right. but yeah, just imagine. And like everyone who had that card, I think that was possibly the one Jim Mint was like bringing around at, uh, some conventions as well. But Everyone who saw that card said, man, this is like the cleanest illustrator I've ever seen. Like, it got a CGC 10, sold for like, I want to say off the top of my head, 370-something, but I might be wrong there. But yeah, definitely much, much, much lower. No, it sold for 495,000. Oh, 495, okay. I must be thinking of a different... I I think I was thinking of the 9.5. The 9.5 sold for around the numbers that we were talking about, I think. Yeah, that might be it, but... Wait, hold on. Let's see. It says, Pokemon Illustrator, Japanese... 
created CDC sold for four hundred ninety-five thousand, making the second highest price realized by a CDC certified. I guess the Proto story is probably number one. Yeah, it could be. I haven't been keeping up much with that stuff because I just think it's kind of silly. There's seems like every day there's another illustrator popping up. Like who knows how many there. Well, I think thirty-nine. Are. Yeah, I think thirty-nine was the what was thought, but then. If you look ever look up to that number, it's like there's there's people that have it that never was a part of those that won or you know participated in the contest or something like that. So the actual number is believed to be more, but the exact one no one can say. Yeah, and it was like thirty nine for the longest time. Yeah, like assumed, but I don't know. It seems like more and more of them come out. There have been, you know, basically tracked versions where same card's been graded multiple times. Um, so, yeah, it's just kind of a hot mess. Meanwhile, the Pika Trophies, who are even more rare any given year, even though there might be the same amount of them based on the years they're given out, but, I mean, those things are even more rare. Then you got the Snap cards as well. Yeah, Snap would be one of the cards, like, we like I've mentioned before the the snap the Pokemon snap importance to me. I, I'm a photographer. I'm not like you know your Ansel Adams level. I'll never pretend to be, but like I am, you know, also I would say an advanced photographer as well in terms of overall. And that is what got me into it. And to this day, photography is one of my main outlets for whatever in life. And that's one of the cards, like just any of the snap cards, right? Like owning one of those would be pretty neat. But I know like just the, the prices you're looking about is like a down payment on a house, you know, minimum. Yeah. Like a big down payment on a house, like a 20% down payment on a house sort of thing. So it's one of those cards where essentially if I were to ever get one of them, I'd be consolidating my entire collection. And yeah. it's not, it's going to be cool to have. It's not worth that, though. To me, like, none, like, there's not a single, like, particular card that looks, like, super good to me. Like, it's N64 graphics. It's nostalgia. It's amazing, nonetheless. But as far as, like, artistic-wise, there's not one that, like, really stands out. So there wouldn't be really any satisfaction for me to have like mm-hmm. one specific one and like oh yeah this is my favorite this is the best one i'm happy so to me like i know with that set it's just weird like how i am with those sets cuz a lot of times i either i'm a completionist right i like to collect the whole set yep. or if i can single out one card that i like above all the others i'm okay with that one just like the scream set i sold all those during peak hype did really well on those um mimikyu turns out to be one of my favorite pokemon of all time it's also the rarest of all the scream cards so that was a no-brainer it's like this is my favorite one favorite artwork favorite pokemon it's also the one that's worth the most so i'm okay with just having this one um maybe the maybe get back to pikachu one day but yeah it's not, kind of the one i was thinking yeah i'm not too bad of the gyarados about that but... one uh, but it's just, oh, you're, oh, you're referring to the bunch, I'm referring to the snap, but yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I agree on that too. Like Pikachu's like one of my favorite ones there. Like if I did yeah. just get one, 
it'd be something like that where it's like Pikachu might not be my favorite one, but it's, no. it's Pikachu. Most I, and it's the it's so, as far as the relation to the game, you remember throwing the damn Pokeball in its face, and it's just like I remember just as a kid, just like take the Pokeball, <laughs> keep, take just keep it, on throwing, take it. You will get in that right now. Yeah, and then you know all this surfing on like the the board and all the things you can get it to do. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, what I'm saying is like if I ever did venture or have the money, if if I had unlimited funds, that would be like a I need the whole set thing um, for me. And it's hard because there's so many of them and, you know, also just the straight up availability of them. I think yeah. there's like one Pikachu sale. Mm-hmm. One known. Like, yep. I think, I think Hupsy has it, right? I believe so. I th- I'm pretty sure he does. I think there's the Pikachu one. I don't. It somehow came forward. Somebody was like, "Yeah, I got it." Like, you know. Also, getting these cards, you have to have some sort of. You can't just be a fly on the wall. Yeah, not just like a multimillionaire be a fly on the wall. You have to be. You have to have a commu- communication and a repertoire within the hobby to find things like this because. They will come to you at times, but also being able to be like, you know, word of mouth. Yeah, I know a guy that's got it. People that don't make themselves known, don't want themselves known. People that like to stay quiet and anonymous within the hobby. Those are some of the people that even if they may not be within the hobby, these people stay silent. These people come out to find these individuals and you got to know them. You know what I mean? Or know people that know people. Yeah, well, even Dubsy himself. I mean, he has like a guy who's like big in the hobby, um, you know, alone, but it's basically he's hired as like his liaison to like find these things and do the deals. So he's a guy you always see in the videos. Um, there was a really good video. I think I sent it to you. It's pretty long. I think strictly sealed, um, on YouTube. He's a big Yu-Gi-Oh guy. He's basically, you know, like, I say he's like the SM Pratt of Yu-Gi-Oh! In a way. Um, really high quality videos, even though it's Yu-Gi-Oh! And I don't really mess with Yu-Gi-Oh! I kind of have certain YouTubers that I watch on like all card markets like sports and Yu-Gi-Oh! And he's definitely like one of my favorites there. Really high quality stuff. But he went to Dubai and hung out with Dubsy and his guy basically. And they sat down. And just went through his collection. And no matter how much he shows off online, it's just simply amazing to see again, um, you know, all the stuff he has. But they did show the uh, Pikachu there in that video. And he had video games. He had, like, original manga art. Like, it was was pretty nuts. Yeah. But him, along with maybe one or two other people... A person have like well there's like him and two other people who are getting close to building a set and who have like probably five or six plus of the cards and that's pretty much all we know not even sure if there's a complete set yet but it it's possible with all the available cards out there that we know of right now um but yeah with stuff like the pikachu i mean there's like one of those that you know about, but that's a whole nother discussion yeah, too. Just yeah. how these cards were like given out. Like, you know, you won the contest. Well, there's two of them. 
Yeah, there's like like there you got we got you got half you got one of them from it was like the TV right it was like a TV show. Yeah, had to call in if I'm not mistaken. I'm trying to remember. And then the I'm other half sure it was some one. sort of it was some sort of contest. I thought. Yeah, it was best, like a the best photo. It was best photo. It was that best you photo had to and submit. Snap, yeah. yeah, yeah, and you had to submit it. And the other one, I thought you had to call in. I can't remember. I'd have to look really look that up. But essentially, but anyways. I uh, don't want to get into the specifics too much, but an, an episode on the more rare and miscellaneous cards will be interesting for yeah. sure. Yeah, just just quickly sum it up. They the winners are basically not given every card, which is a problem. They were given one hundred of their card, so every snap card was pretty much like, you know, this person won. So here's a hundred copies of your card, and they did that mm-hmm. for every card. So like every illustration contest. From the very beginning, there was never a complete set like fully together that we know of because they were handed out to the person who won. And, you know, back in the 90s, just imagine, A, you might not be that involved in the hobby. Like it may have just been a side project. So for the Pokemon company to hand you like, here's a hundred of these. Like, what do you do? You hand them out to like friends that maybe don't even care. I'm sure some of these were given out to like that kid's next birthday party. So who knows what happens to these things? The whole stack was just thrown out when they were moving, when they got older. <laughs> like I, I bet you, I would not be surprised if that if that's the case for one of these, maybe not the snap cards, but the 09 or 2010 illustration uh, contest. I, I could see that being the case, and that's why we haven't seen some of these ever emerge. Yeah. yeah the Art so Academy ones ago, are, and I say the Art Academy ones are a little bit different because it's more recency- and the the Pokemon value was starting to get up when that was done. So, yeah. but there are def- definitely some Grails that are more obtainable, and that I have on my list. But what are some more that you had you had on your list besides the PSA nine first edition Charizard? Well, so that's kind of the struggle right now. I I definitely have Poncho. You know, Megazard X. Yep. And then a PSA 10 Mimikyu again, which I I have the Mimikyu in a 9, and you're going to be buying my 9 Mario still, probably. At some point, but hopefully within like two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's kind of the, like, I won't go in too much. I'll, I'll let you continue, but yeah. But yeah, between those two, once I, you know, the Mario is straight, you know, cash, because I already have the 10 there. So between selling Mimikyu and getting the Mario, the goal is to buy the Mimikyu 10. Um, There is one at auction right now that I am watching pretty closely, but it's kind of crazy. I feel like that card's going up. It's got two hours and nine minutes left. Oh, so it's uh, tonight. Yeah, it's 5,300 right now. So... It's it's outperforming a lot of the uh, ponchos. Well, well, and a part of me wonders if these guys have, if these cards have seen a jump because people are seeing the chaos with what's going on with the Van Gogh and people are starting, more people within the hobby are realizing this is it. Like what you said, this is it. This is the, oh, this is exclusive promos. Go after some of the gems first, like the Mimikyu, the Pikachu, some of the ponchos. And 
the Mario, whatever, Luigi, you know, all the, the, the usual suspects in that regard. And the inherent scarcity for Mimikyu is out in Pikachu are more than the Mario Pikachu promos and the, and the ponchos. So it makes sense that this card's going up because a lot of people are like, oh shit, this is, this is going to be the grail, one of the main grail Japanese promos within the hobby. And we are never going to see something like this ever again. Mm-hmm. Got to make my move. And you know, if there's just a couple dozen people that have that mindset, that's all it takes. Yeah, I definitely need to make a move. Like Mimikyu, obviously that'd be that'd be the number one thing just to get real quick. Um, really curious to see where this ends. I was expecting this to be like five thousand dollars, but it just reached over that mark. So we'll see. Well, Megazard X Pikachu Probstein has one for sale for like three days, ten hours left. It's got ninety-two watchers. See, there's been three four thousand seven hundred. Okay, this was ten days ago, but there's been three this month that have sold around forty five hundred. So, um, I mean, I could see it, but it, there was a trend. It looks like maybe five thousand. Well, this there's this uh, the moment to three hours left. There's nobody that has hit on it. They want fifty five hundred. <laughs> yeah. So that that's why it's like that. <clears throat> so yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Like you can, you, you can, you can maybe get it for five k, but yeah, that's there's not one bid. Yeah, we'll see where they end. It won't be making a move this round, but no, maybe in the next few weeks there. But yeah, Mega Charizard X Pikachu and uh, Mimikyu are number one that I could do pretty easily. But then I have this whole stack of gold stars and first edition hollows. Um, I'm pretty set on selling the first edition hollows, aside from, you know, the big three. The Blastoise that I sent off with this last PSA order actually got a five, so it matches my Charizard. Mm-hmm. If there's I there's a Venusaur out. I have every hollow being graded aside from Charizard and Venusaur. So if Venusaur comes back a five, I mean, there is a slim chance that I just decide to wait on that since I'll have all five set. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'd still almost rather just sell all three of them and get like one Charizard instead. That's higher grade rather than have all three. So I'm, I'm sure I'll still make a plan there. It just might be a little longer and, take my time with Which, finding a buyer i want to say and that comes into play once more with the charizard because i will obviously be getting the pikachu sometime this year either in two weeks or at the end of the year well the in order to obtain the charizard it's going to require essentially me selling honestly the whole entire d23 set and the timing might end up being perfect once again, or within like a month or two of each other, being able to work it out. Um, yeah, essentially me, the steps in this process is like for sure sell all the first editions, mm-hmm. and then get the Mimic U, and then the Mega X, and then from there I'll pretty much have all the Japanese promos that I want, and then I'll take a break. I'll spend some time admiring my gold star set. (laughs) And then I need to decide what I want to do with that. So I will say having all these gold stars graded 
and having the full set has really like brought me back to the early days of collecting and I think it's sparked like the happiness that I grew to love in the older grails and I haven't decided yet but it would be nice if down the road my goals and my collection just consisted of like a PSA 9 Charizard all my Japanese exclusive grails and then the only thing I collect outside of that as far as set cards is gold stars like I could see myself being the gold star guy and just chasing the, the gold stars and that would conclude my collecting career as if I had like a little box of like a gold star set Japanese exclusives and then my Zard I could die happy <laughs> yeah see mine I actually got a list and I could call it because I like to make up cool little names for, for things I call it the Sinister Six if you're familiar with Marvel, you know, the Sinister Six is a bunch of villains towards <laughs> Spider-Man. Um, does that really work for this? I don't know. But it's a cool name, so we're, we're going to go ahead and roll with it. <laughs> Might as well. Uh, yeah, they're, they're cool enough. Um, so one of those ones in this are obviously the first edition is Um We just refer to that. And another reason why I think it's potentially important to move on that within the next year is because I do think that the value is the lowest we're ever going to see for these cards. Yeah, um, I was going to say that too. Yeah. 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 And I, I think right now, and I don't know how long that's going to take. I don't know if we're going to see a bump next year. It might be two, three years from now. I'm not sure, but the time to pull the trigger, if you're ever going to do it, I think is sooner rather than later or making moves to be able to allow you to make that decision. And that's what I'm going to be doing. Um, the first one on my list is obviously Mario Pika, and we'll, we'll I'll get to that here in a second. But you selling that at, you know, we, we've kind of discussed the potential price, and it's a pretty fair price. And ultimately, I'm not going to find a deal probably anywhere better. Um, and we're talking potentially saving upwards of like $500, you know to I me, mean? which is pretty significant. I mean, that's almost 10% there. And Yeah, and not, a lot of time with those cards too, like we talked about. It's a lot of, you know, obviously you don't want to pay more, but it's kind of like the housing market, like the housing market demand a couple of years ago and last year was so crazy that people mm-hmm. were paying asking. It's kind of like the situation for the Charizard. Like if you can find someone in person that has one, I mean, any, even if you're saving a hundred dollars, like. It's worth it. Like, that's the grail. That's the card. Like, if you're going to overspend or pay market on any card, like, that's the one people think of. And, yeah, obviously there are scenarios where it's, like, it being straight cash and not having anything to do with, like, electronic payments could help out a little bit for you. But, you know, you also have that following on Instagram and you have more connections to where it's possible to even sell it at that asking price, even on Instagram, friends and family. You know, very few people have that ability to do so. Um and either way, the price for what we valued is pretty is basically right on par, and it's a fair market price with the ability maybe to have like a friendly deal. Maybe I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, I, I, it's your card. It's your pride and joy. I completely understand, though. Yeah. I also <laughs> but, have uh, the option of like if people just like share it. Like I could be like, 
you know, hey, Zach, share this on your page. I'll give you a hundred bucks, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. mm-hmm. even something like that. Because, you know, me and uh, Jim Mint are sitting pretty good right now. I just paid him like total trust payment of 5K yeah. <laughs> for uh, Mario Pika. So, which is a, which is a great deal also you know so that's why you know we and that's a fair market price to rebate like being able to get fair market price sometimes in this day and age is also just good enough and even if it's even if you aren't saving necessarily raw money if you're getting a fair market price without having to pay egregiously amount that's also a great deal as well so there's a lot of different things to go into what it's a great deal not just the raw price itself and yeah. ultimately whatever it ends up being in a year from now which i assume will be around 4500 or so and you know that's i'm prepared that's the number i'm working towards if it changes a little bit it changes a little bit but that's the number i'm eyeing currently yeah. um but again by my math either i do it at the end of the year when i get my bonus and some christmas money blah 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 the quarterly payouts you know <laughs> Either I do that then or I do that in the middle of the summer. I'm not sure. Um, I guess it just depends on when you also decide to make the move. And it sounds like it might be a little while for you as well, which is completely fine. It would but yeah, it, it would probably be the last of the moves of all my moves yeah. there. Like I would definitely, if I do decide, I mean, worst case scenario for you and I decide to keep, obviously worst case scenario would be like if I just keep the five. But I think at most, like, I would upgrade. So, like, second worst case scenario, I guess, where, like, I do upgrade, but I jump up to, like, a seven instead. Like, worst case time-wise, I would just be taking my time with the gold stars, like, enjoying them, only selling the ones that I had to. Mm-hmm. And then, so I would be, like, real slow about it and, like, you know, not in any rush to sell them. But here they are if anyone wants to like pay up for them which works out because i will have to sell pretty much all my lorcana to be able to make that move if it's by next summer and as of right now i haven't done it so and even in that situation it would probably be next summer like it probably mm -hmm. still line up pretty good yeah like the second half of next year is kind of what i'm assuming essentially and i think the new year comes yeah who knows what'll happen Exactly. So I like the second half of next year is kind of what we I think we're both kind of thinking or the approximate timetable. So that works out. And that's why I'm potentially making that move, the big next move next year. But the most immediate move in the second one on my Sinister Six is the Mario Pika. I've talked about this ad nauseum on this podcast and we've all known it's one of my favorite cards. It's most it's a lot of people, some of their favorite cards. It has great artwork by a great artist. It's got two of the biggest nostalgia from people in the 90s and and Mario and Pikachu. I mean, what's not to love? And it's a must-have for me. And the first thing after I sell the bottom three Lurkana cards, that's the first move I'm making. That move is coming. It is coming soon. I can't wait for it. It's been several years in the running, and it's just kind of getting to that point is kind of crazy because we're almost there, but you still have to sell and that is coming. And I can't wait to be able to announce when that does happen on this podcast because it's got me very hyped. I'm just trying to like manage the hype level because it, has, it hasn't happened yet. I don't want to get too impulsive. I just got to be patient. Um, yep. And it's just sitting here. So yeah. And the next couple that are kind of in that list is the, the Luigi Pika um if 
that might be second half of like Christmas of next year. Um, or I might go with the Poncho Cart Pika. It's going to be one of those two, I think. And I haven't decided if I'm going to go for a 10 or a 9. Because if I go for a 10 for the Poncho, well, we'll see what it's like in the year. A 9 might be my, my only choice. But the 10, my thought process was I can always sell it, downgrade to a 9, get the Shiny Ray 9, Poncho, and the Poncho Carp. And that brings me to the next one, which is a Shiny Ray Pika. And depending on what happens with you, I might be getting that one at the end of next year, you know, or that I might not be getting that one at all because that's towards the bottom of the list. Um, the first editions are the Mario Pika and the Poncho Carp are probably the top three with like Luigi being 3A, 3B with the Poncho Carp. And the Shiny Ray is nice, but it's also my only my second favorite. So it's going to be on the back burner. And then finally is the PSA 10 Munch Psyduck. And that's something that I could do potentially at the show if I feel impulsive to trade my nine and get that 10 because it is one of my favorite cards. Yep. Yeah, it's exciting times. Basically, for me, mine's more of a complicated, like just figure out what I want to do with the Gold Star situation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, that's pretty much it. I'm okay with. Not having the first Ed Hollows, you know, they, it's just base set. Yeah, it's first edition, but in the end, it's just base set. So I'd rather put that all into one card. Um, but yeah, just thinking of those cards you just mentioned, like, you know, what if I do decide just to go even with a PSA 8 um, Charizard? That's like $10,000 less than a nine. So that alone would open the opportunity for me to, you know, I could get a Luigi with that. I could get a couple other ponchos, like potentially three other really big grail cards just by making the decision to go with an eight instead of a nine. And you could always potentially move up later down the road because if we recall from the pandemic, everything eight plus, I mean, why every first edition was going crazy for the Charizard and just the base set. But the ones that were seeing some of the egregious prices were like the eights, nines and the tens, obviously. So going with that route still gives you the, the ability to potentially another hype to sell that at its peak. And that would be interesting if you decide to make that move, I would have to strongly consider it. Yeah. If I were to have the first edition Charizard, that might be the first things to go, but it makes it more difficult with, like back in the day, or like even 2020, you could just sell it, and you know if that'd be the only thing you sell, and you not get taxes. But now you would almost have to try to sell it at a show. Yeah, and a lot of things back then, like I did sell a lot. I did take advantage of it, but there was some stuff I didn't sell that I hindsight should have. Yep. But a lot of those were like, you know, if I sell this, I'm never going to get them back because of these prices. But Lo and behold, you never know what happens, but a lot of people think that, all right, next hype bubble, I need to sell. But you're worried because what if you, what if the prices go more than what you figure? What if they go up from there? So the experience well, I think tells if you they go up in like a healthy economy, like they might be more authentic because you have to factor in everything. Everybody knows that knowledge now. Everyone knows mm -hmm. that they went up crazy and came back down. So you're going to have a lot of people who, like buy them up thinking this is the last chance 
but you know, to, to make the most of your money, you got to do the plays that no one is doing. And we've been watching these Watsy hollows and first editions sink. And now they've been steady for a long time. And like you said, I think now is the time like buy them when nobody's looking because when the healthy economy comes back and people are looking where to put their money and people are unhappy with Scarlet and Violet, they're going to start getting that old stuff again. They're going to get, and it makes most sense for people that want to diversify their portfolio. I'm not saying that investing in collectibles is obviously highly risky because it is. But if you're looking at alternate ways, for if you have disposable income, to look at potentially getting larger margins, and you have your your Roth, you have your 401k, or whatever you have, or you know some of your blue chip stocks, well, you kind of look like, well, I want to have some fun with my money. But I also don't want to throw away my money. I want it to be in a solid investment. And that's where the most solid investment you could probably do within the hobby is probably first edition charters are. Yeah. That's another thing too. I could just sell all these gold stars and that's like three, four years of maxing out my Roth IRA right there, Mm -hmm. which I try to do anyway. But yeah, it's like, I don't know. I could do that and not have to worry about that. So just a lot of, uh, it's kind of reminiscent of our Collecticon. You know, I just got to decide what to do. First things first, I need to get everything back, though. I'm just going to get it all back in my hands and see where it goes from there. And, you know, you mentioned that. I might sell, like, one of the things I sent was my Misaki promo. So I got that from selling to Yeti Gaming when I needed to try to sell. And obviously, I, did, I wanted to have as least taxes as possible. And the percentage I got was pretty fair. Well... In order to maximize my value, I got some trade. Well, I got the best trade that I could. I got the I got shiny magic carp, which was near mint. I ended up getting when I sold that like one hundred fifteen dollars for it, um, and I technically got it for like one thirty five, one forty, in trade. So I was able to like work them down. So I was able to get that money actually back overall. That all goes back to my junk slabs, by the way. And the Misaki promo was another one that I got in the same transaction. And that one doesn't have the Misaki promos, and it might be a, set, a, a PSA 7. But being able to sell it, if I want to put it towards Moo, which I might not do till next year, we'll see. And you know, you're only looking at a few hundred bucks there. But with that and a few of the other cards I sent, you're looking at potentially, you know, what, five to seven hundred maybe, depending on like some of the grades I got. Well, that adds up when you're trying to get a card like the like the PSA five first edition Charizard or any other ones I, I I mentioned. And sometimes you're gonna have to make those sacrifices if you want those those grails. And I've already learned it's what it's what I, it's probably what I'm gonna have to do, but I might wait to sell that at the con. Yeah. Speaking of the cons, it almost made me wonder too, getting all this inventory back. It's like it'd be also like another option which would be awesome is just to vend at a con just have all this as my inventory be pretty firm with the prices and just kind of bring some cash to to see what comes well it's five hundred dollars for a table so well, yeah. last year right or something like that or, or was it 250 no it's 250 something around I those think. lines yeah so i mean you got to factor that bucks. in the cause yeah but still, even if it was like a couple hundred dollars just to like sit there, if I could just sell one of the gold stars at my sticker price, like, or maybe two, like that'd make up for the difference. 
Because a lot of things priced at these cons and stuff, they're not necessarily deals no, off like eBay. They aren't. They aren't. And like, essentially, example, you're like getting a lot of those people who are trading in like a little lesser value stuff for more trade value to like turn into those. So if I could like sell just like two of the gold stars at face value, but get a bunch of other slabs that maybe make it like 110, 120% value trade for me, like that might be the start of like a little business snowball. Yeah. Which I, you know, obviously I have the cards, like I could do that, but I've never been wanting to do this as a business. Like it's always collect first. Like I'll do that stuff after my collection is done, even though it probably makes more sense just to use my collection to do that now. Cause I'll, I could probably get the snowball bigger and make more money quicker, but and then get the grails you want and long longer down the road that you'll have the income for it. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. I've thought about that too, but it's, I've always hated the idea of treating this like a business, like the amount of money that I make in it now, it's like very passive and like, I don't really have to pay much attention to it. So it's like, I know if I paid attention to it and really went to these shows and vended and stuff, like I could really make it pretty good. I feel like, but I would have to use my own collection to get that snowball rolling. And even though it might only delay the grails for like another month or two, or who knows, someone might bring a grail to trade, you know, it's just, the collector in me fights against that. It's like, no, I don't want to give up my cards <laughs> for for money like that I'm not putting back into the collection. Like, that's silly. But it might make sense to most people, but I'm a weird collector at heart. Yeah. And I actually already got a few messages over the Lorcana to potentially make the plays of some of the ones I mentioned, but you know, Lorcana is kind of in a down period. I think a lot of people I'll are nervous right now. Yeah, exactly. I had a guy, we, I, I sent him, I sent Nathan a message. I put one on auction. I've never put a uh, card on auction. I've already sold by it now. So I just don't like the idea of auctions with being able to potentially get lower, especially with some of the junk slabs. I wasn't going to let those go for like $8 a piece and then have to go the process of shipping. I wasn't going to do that. I don't mind doing that towards trade or cash at a con, but putting in the work and doing that, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not doing that. Um, but these cards are much significant more value. So I have two of them are uh, priced basically at their market value, their actual market value, the hook at 2K, the the Robin Hood at 2200 with best offer I'm willing to take around 2K for it, which is its actual market value straight up. And the Cruella, I have the auction starting at 1K. And I have for 10 days. So next Sunday, I'm currently one of the few auctions on there. Um, I almost did it for... See, I, was, yeah, I had to do seven or 10 days from when I was trying to do it. I didn't want to end on a Thursday night. I wanted to end on a weekend night. We've seen the issue of, of auctions ending on a weekday night it's not as good um that's even that's another variable to add to it so i did 10 days right now there is another cruella at auction but they want three thousand dollars for it mine is one thousand starting bid and hopefully it gets to minimum 1800 or two i'm hoping two thousand and that's where coming to play on the buy it now is that the market price comes in anyways i'm hoping for around 6k for all three and i might try to sell the 
Maleficent PSA 10 and just keep the Elsa and the Stitch. You think it's going to be the Maleficent and it makes sense because of its, if it's, uh, you know, its role within the gameplay. I'm banking on it being Stitch from Nostalgia. That's what I'm banking on. Um, and obviously there really wasn't a huge difference in price, maybe what, 15% maybe at one point. Yeah, um, something like that. Yeah, so it's 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 not like a substantial much. It's just it's a bet. If I'm going to keep two, that's the two I'm going to keep. And the Elsa's clearly holding strong. Um, and I, like I could probably put eight thousand best offer right now, and somebody will probably send me an offer of seven thousand. You know, but I would like to if I did do that. If I did do that on eBay, I want to wait till the following year because of taxes overall. Yeah. based on the bracket in which I'd be in that that's why the whole idea was always to potentially sell it over two years on eBay. If that was the case to minimize the effect overall on what I, on what the taxes would be, would be taken out of it. And that's still the, that's still the idea. But if I sold them the Melissa this year, I would only be slightly over that bracket. So only a small portion would be hit by a larger tax deduction or, or a tax percentage. And, that's not that bad. But if I were to do everything, then all of a sudden it changes it completely to where it's like, oh, I'm only getting like maybe 70 cents on the dollar. And it's like, Ugh. but right now it's not like that. And it's worth that risk to me um, or to be able to hold off on the two strongest cards until the following year. Yep. Yeah, it's a lot of decisions. I'm worried about. Lorcana's production and stuff. Um, and I think that's what's causing a lot of people to be concerned. The fervor and the fanfare is still very much there for Lorcana. But its potential growth is very much in question. And I think that's what's making a lot of people concerned about investing in these cards. I think even if the game dies, like people will love it as a collectible. Like mm -hmm. People will collect My Little Pony and yeah. Harry Potter cards. Like It's just going to become one of those... But it's Disney above all else. So it'll be like, it would be the number one, like, oddity TCG. Like, if it if the game shut down, it would become, like, the number one other TCG, you know? Yeah. But the biggest I, think, thing, I think the game's going to, I think the game's going to last. I, I do too. I just think this period right now is pretty rough. But here's the thing. I need the money. I can't, seeing what it's going is, I believe the cards will go up, but how long is it going to take? You know what I mean? I'm trying to pay off certain certain debts as well. And, you know, the cost effectiveness of that interest on that, that I will be paying if I don't sell these cards now is also included in this situation. The whole thing with the taxes and being able to use it, the tax deductions from, you know, the cost of, of the original sale from the D23 cards. Being If I sell enough of them, it's, it's like, oh, okay, I see what's going on there. Whereas... If I just hold two of them, that well, it's not really worth using that as a tax deduction this year and holding on till next year. You know, all these factors come into play, um, and it's why I feel like I got to sell the, the bottom three now. Ultimately, we had this conversation originally last year uh, through like, like chat. Like, should I consolidate and just get two or three else's? And the main reason why I didn't was because of that tax law which they they announced like at the end of december like oh by the way we're, we're postponing it and i was like son of a bitch because that was why i decided not to sell the risk wasn't worth reward with the amount that i would have gotten out taken out with taxes well since they held it off for a year that changed everything i could have got three else's you know three more else's 
So you're looking at almost $30,000 right now. Well, I could sell two and still have half my money left. Yeah. You know, that's, that's what pisses me off, but it is what it is. Um, I was right in that assumption and that's something where I should, should have trusted my gut, which I will know in the future with. Yep. It's going to be, going to be interesting to see what happens. Ultimately, I wouldn't mind getting the promos back. Like my intention was to sell during release with a hype with anticipation that they are going down. And the nines on pretty much everything has tens have as well for like the lower stuff. But yeah, mm-hmm. the the Elsa is holding pretty strong and the Mickey. Um, and the stitch and the stitch and. Maleficent are still between three and thirty five hundred, which is I think going to be where they're going to about stay. And I think you're going to see those a little bit more steady as well. There might be a little bit more fluctuations, but you're not going to be able to get the stitch for like twenty two hundred or or the the Melissa for twenty two twenty five hundred like you could in um what was it like March or April? Yeah, something like that. So yeah, so like you're you're not going to see that. You're still going to see growth from that period, but which is why I want to hold off and wait because I've also mentioned that. I think these could follow the route of like the Japanese promos to an extent, right? Like with, with Pokemon, like there's, they're going to see a slow, you know, steady inc- increase. And then finally, after people realize these are the crown jewels, this is where, this is where the money is at. You're going to slowly see those people trickle in to those cards and buying those cards, increasing the price. That's kind of what I thought was going to happen after kind of seeing some of the events fold out. Here's the thing though. Again, I can't, wait that long so i gotta sell some now yeah and there is more people interested like on the collecting side i still don't think we've seen the effect of the general public because there's been there's no, not enough product yeah, there's been no product and, uh, and which is i was gonna say i don't think it's gonna get much better with the second set they're starting to tease the second set and they've said pretty much like for wave one it's not even going to be LGS's only, but it's only going to be the Lorcana Play Store's only. So they don't even have enough. Like, they're basically bundling a small first chapter reprint in with the launch of the second set. Um, they've yeah, there's going to be another reprint in January on top of that of set one. Yeah, and like this go around, so like whenever the second set comes out, they've pretty much said like because we've had to reprint the first set, the rollout of set two is going to be smaller because basically they've had to reprint some of set one and whatever they reprinted took the place of set two. So I don't think like when set two comes out, I feel like there's going to be even less product than set one, but there will be more set one product. But from what I've seen, some stores are only getting like a booster box of like, the first chapter which you have this is what this is what concerns me the most i was like the one thing that could potentially really really hurt the value of these cards were ravensburger not getting the numbers anywhere close to right but i didn't think it would be this bad and i'm not gonna lie i'm a little bit nervous now um because i didn't foresee it being this extreme um i had more faith that they would be able to do it right and they did it and obviously they've been around since like the 1800s the business has but this scale they were not prepared for, and it's evident. Yeah, and they even knew that it was coming, and then on top of that, like, underestimated Still, 
Because they yeah, said at that launch, like, it's going to be a rough launch, but we'll get there. And they are, you know, just to announce already that they're reprinting more, it's awesome. Um, But yeah, I kind of knew this was going to be a problem. Even I, though, yeah, to this extent. Like, I just thought they had more access to get things done. But apparently they're competing with all the other TCGs and they immediately essentially like filed to get like a reprint done. But the next opening was like January. So that's why we're getting a January reprint is because like the printing companies just are already like allocated their time to other TCGs and stuff. Well, at this point you got to ask why hasn't Disney stepped in as well? I know it's a lot of overhead and it's a lot to like do, but like, I mean, Pokemon is just now doing it where they've acquired some of these companies. It's like, I don't know. There's just so much demand with all the TCGs right now. It's just crazy. But I think even in January, the reprint, I don't think things will be much better. I think everyone who is a diehard will finally get everything that they want from the first chapter. But, you know, then we're going to finally... Get the casuals who are starting to see it on the shelves, even if there's enough for it to survive on the shelves more than two days. Then you have to compete with the casual people discovering the game and getting into the game. So it could be it could be a while still. But that's kind of why I wanted to just complete the set. Set two does look really promising playability wise. There's already some cards that are very obviously better than the similar cards in chapter one. So cards are always, they're already going to be getting replaced for new cards and meta decks. So I don't want to continue that chase. That's, I was kind of debating on building decks and playing. I still want to build the decks eventually. Like I kind of just set them aside, but I just want to have like them consist of the first chapter stuff just for nostalgia and enjoyment down the road. And uh, I'm okay with just building my set right now, but still waiting on all the hollows because I'm hoping for that restock to drive down the prices. Yeah. The single yeah, cards pretty- that aren't like key playable cards are pretty cheap, though. Yeah. I mean, I've got a few Elsa's really dirt cheap. It was just a few hundred, I mean, not a few hundred, a few like 15 bucks for both the non foil and foil. I don't think that was that bad at all. Well, they're probably even cheaper now. Like, they're really Yeah, cheap. It, was, it was, it was at the price point where it was like i don't care you know i'll just go and get it plus it was like towards trade and the trade allowed me to get more when i was traded in so it was worth it yeah but it wasn't like oh 50 bucks for it you know it was like you know it was like 12 and 3 i'm like okay <laughs> you know yeah. like it that's that was at the point where it's not really a price i'm really concerned about trying to save money on because i found it acceptable for what i was buying yeah. um but yeah yeah hopefully they can get it together and uh We'll let you know how our goals change. Yeah, the next episode, I'll give you an update on these three cards, hopefully. And we'll maybe back get to Mario. We'll see. All right. I guess, uh, did you have a question? I do. We kind of touched on it a little bit. um, Kind of. But do you believe we will see a regression of the Pokemon community during the Scarlet and Violet era? Basically, less consumers of Seal product, but people that may be kind of on on the cusp, but like... Not as active. Um, 
I think modern will calm down a little bit. I think I think we'll find our stride. If that makes sense in Scarlet and Violet era. I think the hype will kind of die down a little bit. We're already seeing some like booster boxes, like pre-sale levels around the the lower end, like distributor price mark. So I think a lot of people in the game of booster boxes and stuff, like I think the business community, I rather should like start that over, but I think the business community will be struggling. Mm -hmm. If you haven't been doing it for a long time or you haven't been making your numbers and like scaling, I think crunch time is on. So a lot of these people who have distributors and are selling booster boxes, you know, they're having to hold them for much longer. Their business has shifted away from the booster box product before you could get the items from the distributor and then just sell them immediately for a little profit. Even if it was five bucks after all your fees and stuff, you know, you could turn that product. Now we're starting to see a focus where like, you know, the least desirable items are harder to sell, which they always have been, but even more so with the Scarlet and Violet sets because mm-hmm. the excitement isn't there. The, the cards, the money, you know, everything, even the art. Like, you don't have your all arts where it's like one in a thousand and the inherent value is already in the packs that people want. Yeah. And we've been and, seeing that in the booster boxes, too. They've been coming down. MSRP mm-hmm. on the Pokemon Center has been like 140 to 160 or something mm-hmm. like that. And then you can buy boxes for like 100 after release. So things are really normalizing, I think. For the English side. For, for the, the English, English side, yeah. This yeah. is just English. Yeah. Japanese side a little bit, aside from like the special products, which that's kind of the same for English as well, too. Like, you know, the 151 ETBs are not behaving like the Scarlet and Violet sets Or the are. Col- classic collection, you know, people that's selling out. Or the Van Gogh, obviously, just going crazy. Like, there are certain things that are going to have a max... Um, bull rush of people, but as a whole, I think we will see people either still like they're all, they'll be on the fringe of the hobby, not at not spending the two hundred dollars a month or whatever it was on seal product. Yeah, or this new shining treasures. You know, I'm mm-hmm. sure that's going to be a hot set. Maybe not as I agree. hot as one fifty one, but. I, th- I don't think it's going to be as hype as Shiny Star V or 151, but the hype will be there. It'll do well. It'll but, be the best set in a while. Yeah, yeah I think the uh, the over hype of it will be will be more tolerable. But yeah, those guys who are you know making a business off selling booster boxes just because they have access to them really worries me for those guys because yeah you got to hold product way more and yeah we'll see what happens well and the biggest thing i'm most interested in seeing is how many people we have at the con or the you know one of the cons next year we thought it would shrink we did see a certain less amount of people like vendors uh, we saw more bigger names there instead of like smaller tables and i expect more of those smaller folks were going to disappear it's going to be the bigger and the bigger dogs will begin to emerge and grow. Yeah. We've already and, seen that too. Like the bigger mm-hmm. guys were even bigger this year. And mm-hmm. it's, we're in that stage where, you know, big fish get bigger and then the small fish get eaten up. Yeah. 
Or like the and, big fish will buy out, like there's buyouts that I've been hearing about for collect cons where people will just buy out the other vendor stuff and, you know, do that enough times. And so if a small vendor gets bought out, like, is he going to use that money to get more inventory or is he just going to be like, all right, invest it. Yeah. I think you have a certain amount of people that are like, okay, it's not worth the struggle. It was, it was a fun learning experience. It was fun, but I need to take this money and invest it or move on or whatever. And they, they'll probably still be within the hobby, right? But those are the type of people that could be more on the fringes of the hobby as well. Yeah. A lot of the fringe people will uh, get scooped up, which I guess mm-hmm. technically from a business side, like I'm on the fringe, like I'm not doing it as a business, but like people like that, like me will do really well, like who are still involved in the hobby, but like aren't full time. So I think the majority of people will be all right, but it's just those like full time guys who like haven't really found their stride yet. That'll, that'll be getting scooped up or disappear you know the old the old tide's going out and we're gonna find out who's skinny dipping so yeah warren buffett says <laughs> yeah i think we'll uh it'll be interesting to see next year i, I kind of think we might see the d23 promos go off next year that's kind of been without now that's just a hypothesis maybe some of that's a little biased i'm not sure but that's kind of what i think we might see we, we saw how you know there was um Hunter was king the first year. We saw a bunch of promos and Japanese promos. You know, you were on the higher end table last year. We saw a few tables with Porcana, but they were overpriced because it was a fluctuated market. Um, and it's inter- it's going to be interesting to see where those cards are at next year and what we see with uh, with the vendors overall. Because I did also get asked what what did I want for my whole set and the price. I was just kind of serious. I was leaving room for ne- ne- negotiations. It was a vendor that goes to these cons. And he even has on like he had on his Instagram, like when he was in Long Beach and all that. And I don't know how serious he was about buying my whole D23 Lacana set, but I specific I specifically aimed higher because I was leaving room for negotiations. That's just how I mean it makes sense, right? Like if you say a price, they're gonna immediately try to get you down lower, especially on something like that. And that's what I was leaving room for. Yeah. Obviously, they never responded what you were thinking after I said my price, which was like twenty six thousand, which wasn't. I mean, it was high, right? But I was just like, I was leaving room to see. And I asked, like, what were you wanting? And he never even responded. Or, like, what were you thinking? And he never even responded. So his actual intrigue level, I have debate. Or I have uh, debates on how legit he was on trying to buy it. And just seeing what folks that have the complete set were wanting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting to see. I would love to have them back one day. Maybe if it's just the Mickey or Elsa. Well, Elsa 9 would be nice to be able to somehow downgrade. Like, if the price, if say, if they hit $10,000 next year and somebody has a 9, I would definitely do cash in a 9 right then and there. Yeah. That's probably what I would like to get back because there's some cards in my collection that I'm okay with having a 9. I think anything outside of Pokemon, like, would fit in that category for me. Just because, like, if it's outside of Pokemon, it would have to be something that I like anyway for it to make it in the collection. So, like, the grade wouldn't really matter too much for me. But, yeah. But I guess we should wrap it up there. We're at yep. an hour 45. Pretty good just for a chill talk. Yeah. So, yeah, let us know what you guys think of this episode. It was more kind of a general topic 
Um, we didn't really have a certain topic we wanted to touch on, but we might start doing them like this more where we just make a couple key talking points and just go with it. Maybe it gets shorter over time, just kind of more, you know, detailed and focused episodes in a shorter format. But let us know what you guys think, and we will catch you in the next one. Peace. See you.